0: Ryan Van Duzer, an adventure cyclist, an adventure storyteller, an amazing soul, someone who changes the world one YouTube video at a time. Stick around. To Live Terminally, a podcast about changing your mindset and rediscovering life. Welcome back, everybody. My name is William Wiltshire, and I am your host today. We have a legend in the YouTube world, and a legend as far as I'm concerned, just in life, Ryan Van Duser. Um, I stumbled upon him a couple years back, and I, at first, was a little off-put by like, this guy is so happy, and it didn't take long. I was addicted, and I've been addicted ever since, and you are a beacon of light, in um, just every day, every day. And I thank you for what you do, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining me tonight.
1: I am so excited to be here. You are awesome. It's fun to see your smile in real life. And let's have some fun.
0: Excellent, excellent. Let's get into it. Um, we can't start this without some no crashes, no whammies, no flatties. So you yeah, want to yeah, do Yeah, yeah, Let's do do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. No, no no crashes. crashes, No. no Yes. That's just, that's just sacred. So,
1: yeah, that's how I start my bike rides in the morning. It helps ward off the evil spirits. It's this dorky thing I've been doing since 2005 when I rode my bike from Honduras to Colorado. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it has stuck with me and I like it. And now I share it with the
0: world it's almost like a sacred um, ritual before like a rite of passage on every adventure that uh, just to give you some good juju as you embark. So
1: yeah. And and more than just good juju is just puts a (coughs) smile on your
0: face. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Which always gives you good juju. Anyway, give me for those who haven't, who, those who aren't familiar with you, um, give me a quick backstory of the legend, Ryan Van Duser. (laughs) How did this all begin? (laughs)
1: Well, I don't refer to myself as a legend. um, I think you're a legend. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. You know, I'm born and raised in Boulder, Colorado. I've lived here most of my life. It's a very outdoorsy town. I fell in love with nature and the great outdoors at a young age because the Rocky Mountains are right here. This is my playground. I grew up, you know, riding bikes and running and just enjoying exploring, you know? And I have continued that you know, vibe all of my life. You know, just go through some bigger points in my life. I joined the Peace Corps in 2003. After I graduated from college, I lived in a small village in Honduras. It was an amazing experience. It was a hard experience. I learned a lot about myself and about how the world works outside of Boulder, outside of the Western world. When I finished my service in Honduras, I thought, The best way to go home would be the the slow way home, the long way home. And so I cashed in my plane ticket that the Peace Corps was going to buy for me. And I bought a bike and I rode my bicycle from Honduras to Boulder, which was an incredible experience in so Mm -hmm. many ways. I had never felt so alive in my life. And that adventure is essentially what led to my life today as an adventure storyteller. And I love connecting with humans. And I yeah. love sharing their stories. And that's what I do now on my YouTube channel.
0: And it's a great, um, it's an excellent channel. I love it. I Thank you. I, um, it's, it seems like it's an immense amount of work. It is. There's no for, doubt. It... Like how you, you know, you set up the shots, you you know, and you, you're constantly writing with one hand because you're constantly <laughs> filming yourself. Um, so I'm sure your skills are you know, on another level, but, um, it's an excellent channel. So definitely check it out. We'll plug all the, the links, uh, in the show notes, but tell me, um, you kind of touched on it, but why do you do what you do? You know, I,
1: the goal with my channel, even when I so my, I started in the media world on public access TV here in Boulder, when I got home from Honduras in 2005, And I started a show that was called Out There. And the Mm -hmm. whole idea was to inspire viewers to get off their couches and get out there. And so I ran around Boulder, Colorado with a little Sony Handycam and filmed everyday adventures just to have fun and goof around and just show people what's available. And also to show people that you don't need to be an elite athlete or have the most expensive gear. It's just, it's all about getting outside and connecting Mm -hmm. with mother nature and connecting with yourself and fellow humans. So the goal of my channel has always been to just inspire people to go out and challenge themselves. Yeah. You know, at the very beginning of my YouTube journey, I didn't make really any money and for many years I didn't make much money. So the, the goal has just been a pure, genuine goal of inspiring people. That's how I, you know, receive payment is when I get Mm -hmm. emails from somebody saying, Hey, I watched your videos and I pulled my bike out of the garage for the first time in 10 years And I love it. I've lost 50 pounds. I feel more connected. I'm riding with my kids or whatever it is. And that's what I call the emotional paycheck of what I do. Now, luckily, my channel has gotten bigger, and I do make a living doing it, and it's a dream come true.
0: Good. I'll be honest with you. You have... I used to do... I used to live in Southern California, and I did a lot of cycling down there, and I loved it. I moved to Florida in 2010 and had road bike and mountain bike, and mountain biking in Florida is just at least back then wasn't very fun. It was yeah. just super Sandy. It wasn't fun. Had a couple of close calls with cars and stuff. And so I just got rid of my bike, but there was a couple, there was a video, I think it was your ride with um, um, John and Mira, mm-hmm. the wonder dog. Um, mm-hmm. I think His name is name John. Um, I, those videos where you guys going through Mexico, you have inspired me to get uh-huh. back into it. And cause it's just, it's fun. It's fun. And I miss it terribly. So yeah, um, you definitely, definitely pull that off well. Thank Um, you.
1: And that's the goal. And it's not like I'm preachy about what I do. I just show people how awesome it is to be mm -hmm. out there on a bike and traveling and, you know, seeing beautiful sights and pushing your body a little bit and meeting everyday people, whether it's in Mexico or the United States, and just seeing how we're all connected and how most humans are good hearted. You watch the news, you watch the media, it can be scary. You think everybody's out there to get you and everybody's bad. And I have found the complete opposite out there.
0: Uh, It's, I, you're 100% correct. Um, there was it hard to take an unconventional route in like your career? You know, like it's so easy for us to fall. I'm just going to go get a job that's safe. But you, kind of looked at that and you're like, no, mm -mm. I'm going to kind of punch fear in the face and I'm going to do my own thing. I'm sure that was hard, but what was that, you know, there's no guarantees in what you do. Yeah. Um, Still. No, you know, it, it, It was hard and
1: it's still hard, even though I have a pretty successful channel. Yeah. So I got a degree in broadcast journalism, which essentially teaches you how to be like a local news reporter or a news anchor. I did an internship at the local NBC station in Denver. It was fun and exciting to be in a TV studio, but I learned quickly that that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't Mm. want that type of job. I think, you know, local news a lot of times is depressing. There's the saying, if it bleeds, it leads. And I didn't want to tell those kind of stories. I wanted to tell happy, inspirational stories about different humans around the world or whatever it was. And so I knew from a young age that I didn't want to take the typical path. You know, so when I graduated from college, I joined the Peace Corps. That was my first, you know, non-traditional job. And I absolutely loved it. I worked with kids for two years and worked in different schools and all these wonderful projects. And then, yeah, I I ride my bike home from Honduras and I decide, okay, this is what I want to do. How Mm -hmm. am I going to figure out a way to make money doing this? Because at the time... There was no online video. There was no YouTube. The only way to make a living as a documentary filmmaker would be to sell a movie and get it in film festivals, yeah. or maybe on HBO. And you know, the the barriers to entry were very difficult. And so, you know, when I get back from Honduras, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can be like a TV host on the Travel Channel. That's what I thought I would do. Okay, that seemed like a great job. Travel the world. I get to see beautiful places and meet awesome people, and <clears throat> I really went full blast in that route of the uh, entertainment world for a while, going mm-hmm. to auditions, flying to New York, flying to L.A., trying to get these these TV jobs, and I had some success. I was on the Travel Channel. I was on a Discovery Channel survival show, um, and it was exciting when it all worked out, but there was a lot of times when it didn't work out. Mm. You know, um, and then finally, I had been in the TV world for about 10 years. It was such a roller coaster of emotions. You get all your hopes up about some job that may or may not happen. You put all your eggs in one basket, and then it comes crashing down for reasons out of my control. Mm. And then I start from zero again. And then finally it got to the point where in 2016, we shot a pilot. I thought it was the next big thing. Everybody told me this was the next big thing on Travel Channel and it just didn't work out. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm sick of this world. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I am going to try to make a go at being a YouTuber. This is back when Casey Neistat was becoming a pretty big name on YouTube and doing the daily vlogs. And I was really inspired by his storytelling and his production value. Because if you know, early on in YouTube, people were like, Oh, YouTube is just kind of like webcam videos. And it's not high quality. And It's not a place for real storytelling, but then along comes Casey Neistat and he changed the game. And I was like, okay, I want to do stuff like he's doing. And so I just went for it. I dropped the TV world, started making, you know, at least one video a week and slowly built up my channel over many, many years. And now it's been about seven years of hammering at YouTube. And I'm happy to say that my channel is doing well. I have a wonderful audience. I spend tons of time interacting with the audience and responding to everybody's comments and questions and emails, because I truly want to be of value to these people. I want to help them on their own journeys. They watch my videos. They have questions. You email me, I will answer you. I am a real human, you know? And so (laughs) it's been, yeah, it's been a wild ride, but I love it. I'm so grateful for YouTube and the freedom to tell the stories that I want to tell in the way that I want to tell them. So, you know, back when I was in the TV world, there were times where I was on TV and that was exciting. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times I was reading somebody else's script. So I was just a dude that could memorize lines. It wasn't my heart and soul out there. If you watch my channel, you are seeing my heart and soul. I talk about hard things. I go through hard times and I love it.
0: I will, I you know, I would say that that was actually the, the moment that, it was the defining moment in my re- relationship with your channels when I saw you in a super vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you had just gone through a breakup or something like that. And I was yeah. like, Oh, Holy cow. This guy's real. He's like, mm-hmm. he's putting everything out there. How refreshing. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, that takes, that takes balls. That takes, <laughs> that takes some real balls. And, yeah. um, but it also pays off, I think, and I'm sure it's paid off immensely. Um, to just be a genuine human being and yeah. um, very inspirational. And so I, I thank you. I thank you for that. It's, that's, yeah, it's well, much I needed. thank
1: you for appreciating it, you know, because it, it, it is hard sometimes to put yourself out there. But I always wanted my channel, like I said, to be me, a represent, representation <laughs> of me and my heart and my soul, and not just let's watch this bike guy channel, and he's always going to be kicking butt, and he's always going to be on top of mountains, and life is always going to be awesome. You know, that can only go so far. You know, like yeah. I want people to know that I'm just a real human, just like you. And I'm out riding my bike or running a hundred miles. And I happen to have a camera in my hand and I'm, I'm talking through all of the hard things that are going on in my mind. Yeah. And then I'll have videos that have nothing to do with adventure. Like why I quit drinking alcohol or talk about the, the pains of a breakup. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I went to the women's March in 2006. you know, I, I cover some things that are just straight up important to me.
0: So, um, do you ever question your path in life <laughs> or, or do you have any self doubts about the future of, you know, dozer yeah. TV all the
1: time? I mean, I know what I'm doing and I love what I'm doing. But there are moments where I'm like, wow, okay, I'm 44 years old. Can I keep doing this? Can I keep going on hard adventures and documenting them? And can I keep it, like, somewhat new and fresh? Mm -hmm. You know, because in my mind, sometimes I'm like, I feel like I'm telling the same story over and over and over. Here I am on a hard adventure, and I'm essentially saying the same things as I say in any hard adventure. You know, there are things that are different. The landscapes are different. The people I meet are different. So there are moments where I'm like, okay, how much longer can I do this? And not only that, but can I keep my channel growth going? Can I keep making a living doing this? You know, there's all sorts of things that are that are tricky about what I do. Mm-hmm. If you just watch my channel, you're like, wow, this guy's got the best life. He travels the world and rides his bike and makes videos. That's awesome. But that's just a very simplistic way of looking at what I do.
0: <clears throat> I I've, I'm discovering that as I'm launching this podcast, I'm like, wow. This, this is the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of work behind the scenes and it's a ton amount of work. Um, but I would imagine like, you know, like Anthony Bourdain who just got bigger and bigger and bigger, he, he was basically doing the same thing mm-hmm. every episode, just a new, a new story, a yep. new location. And because, and I think you do this well too, because you tell a story of the locals, the local yeah. people in interaction with that. I think it, that goes a long ways and even though it's on a bike that's just that's just the um the icebreaker. yeah and um yeah i th- i think i think you're gonna i have no doubt that you'll you'll keep going so i
1: hope so you know and i i yeah. just wrote a book that came out in december so i'm you know trying to stretch myself in different ways so it's not yeah. just youtube i do love going to hope- schools and oh you got the book oh, yeah. right on we're,
0: we're gonna talk about that yeah. I
1: love going to schools and talking to young people, you know, getting people motivated about following their dreams and, and taking life paths that are a little bit different than what society tells you you should do. Yeah, so it's it. not just YouTube, but YouTube is definitely a major part of my life. Yeah,
0: yeah. How do you think up your trip ideas? <laughs>
1: You know, I have a list of places that I personally have dreamed of going to for years. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes viewers will give me ideas on places to go. And I'll be like, oh, wow, I'll go check that out. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll I'll just get an itch to go go somewhere and I'll plan a trip within like a week or something. Okay. So there's like really big trip, big idea places. And then there's like smaller stuff that I fit in that just kind of happens spontaneously. And I like to live my life that way in general, where I'm pretty free and open. If one of my good friends calls me and says, hey, I got four days off, let's go to the desert. All right, let's do it.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Let's talk about The Long Way Home. Let's talk about your book. Um, Tell us about it. Like, how was the process of writing this thing?
1: So... I rode my bike home from Honduras in 2005. The book did not get released till last December. That was 2022, so 18 years after it happened. When I did the ride, I took extremely detailed notes because I wanted to someday write Hmm. a book about it. I just didn't think it would take this long. So I had all these journals that I had done nothing with. When I first got home in 2005, I sat down and started writing and I wrote like 60 pages and it was just hard. Mm. And I think I was too close to it to really have perspective of of what I had accomplished. And then I got into the TV world and I just put it on the back burner and Mm. never really touched it until the pandemic. You know, thank you, pandemic. It's one of the positive things. I had a lot of free time, like a lot of us did, you know, and it first came about because I filmed my entire journey home from Honduras to Boulder. And I had made like one short three minute little teaser of like all the highlights of that trip. And I submitted it to the travel channel back in 2005 and they picked it up and it played in one of their shows at the time. And I was like, Oh cool. So that was kind of my foot in the door at travel channel, Mm. but that was only a three minute little thing. I had tons of footage that I never really did anything with. Here comes the pandemic I don't have a whole lot of different adventures going on. I don't have a whole lot of content for my channel. I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I should go back and look at those old tapes. And so I edited together, finally, the story of that adventure into a long-form documentary. And then I was like, well, now that I've done this, I should get into the journals and write the book. And so uh, luckily I had those journals because I forgot about a whole lot of stuff. And those journals uh, reminded me of a lot of moments that I had completely forgotten about. And so yeah it was it was a, a process of putting all the journals together but also using the perspective I had on this adventure 18 years later and I really think there's a lot more depth to the story and to the mm-hmm. book having written it recently as opposed to if I had written it in 2005
0: I think there's a great deal of wisdom that comes with it you know mm-hmm. 18 years later I, I was I was wondering cuz the details in the book the conversations yeah. the the scenes the You know, that just, I was like, how in the world does he remember all this stuff? Because if it's me, there's no way I'm taking those detailed notes. Yeah. And and the other thing is, because I know you had a trailer behind you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Was the bulk of that trailer just notepads and, because I'm sure it's all camcorder (laughs) (laughs) cassettes. Yeah. Was there like, you know, like just a boatload of notepads and cassettes? Yeah, it was
1: notepads and cassettes and some camping gear and a lot of tortillas and whatever else, you know, I had never done a bike adventure or any adventure of this scale, yeah. So, this was all new to me. So, when I first packed up that trailer, I put in way more stuff in there than I should have. I had like, I remember I had like six really big books in there to read, yeah. thinking, Oh, I'm gonna have all this free time at night, I'm gonna read all these books. And I quickly realized there was no chance after riding my bike all day, I was tired. And I was not going to read anything. I was going to be taking my own notes. So I yeah. remember ditching all the books early on and some other gear. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a learning experience all the way home. It was what, like 4,000 miles from Honduras to Boulder, Colorado.
0: Is it five five months? Four, f- four or five months? Yeah, it was uh, four months, yeah. Four months, yeah. Um, Do you mind if I read a couple things out of here? Absolutely, let's do it. Okay, good. So... The very first page, the very first line, this feels like a bad idea. I like it. (laughs) What a good summary of the entire book in the first line. Um, You had me at that first line. That's our like a little, you know, (laughs) hook. Yes, yes. But there was a, um, you're going through Belize and you stayed at um, this lady's house Mm -hmm. and she was the first person to like, speak some life into what you were doing. Yeah. And, uh, um, some people might think that uh, some people might think that about you, she says, softening her voice, but I don't think so. She returns to her slicing. If you want something in life, you have to go for it. If people think that you're crazy, then that's their problem, not yours. Her words stopped me on my way to the table. I pressed back I press the stack of plates against my chest. It feels like my heart is going to explode. I turn to the face the first matter-of-fact unapologetically supportive words I've heard since I set off on this wild dream. You had your whole trip ahead of you. Mm Mm-hmm. Was this... And I know you're in Belize. It's hot. The bugs. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave that for the book. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Was this a... Like was was her words speaking that to you was that like everything to power you through it
1: meant a lot and i don't think she knew how much it really meant to me because when i proposed this idea to my mom mainly she was terrified yeah. and understandably so you know yeah. we, she raised us single mom four kids we're all she has and she's extremely protective of her kids and here her little boy is telling her that she he's going to ride home through Central America and Mexico and she's like no no that's a horrible idea get on the damn airplane and come home and so hearing her say yeah man you got to go for this yeah it's your crazy dream and it's 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 yours for the taking and it meant a lot to me because so many people said oh This is crazy. Don't you know about Mexico? Don't you know about narco country? You're going to get run off the roads. You're going to get robbed by benditos. And that's all I heard from most people And I told my friends or anybody. Um, And I I get it. You know, people watch the media, like I was saying earlier, and there's a lot of fear-based news out there. I had lived in Honduras for two years. I spoke Spanish. I, you know, I love, you know, Latin American people, Mexican people, Honduran people. And I knew that I was going to be okay. Because yeah. I'd spent so much time in these countries. And so I really, in a way, wanted to prove to everybody that, you know what? <clears throat> these people are great. And there might be some bad ones out there, but for the most part, these humans are extremely generous. Yeah. And this is going to be okay. And I know it's scary for you, Mom, but I promise you, I will be home in time for Christmas.
0: She's a good mom, though. <laughs> She's a good mom. She's an amazing mom. Do you think that if that message from this Belizean woman... Was more prevalent in society. Do you think society would look different? That's a great point. I do. You know, I think
1: so many people tell you, oh, don't do that because this and this and this. And it's their mm-hmm. own fears yeah. coming out, being projected onto people. You yeah. know, if you like look at the the roadmap of success in the world and what they're telling high school students, it's like to be successful. You have to get good grades, and then you have to go to a good college, and then you get a good job, and then you, you buy stuff with your money, like a house and all this other things, and that is success. That is one way of having success, but it's not the only way of having success. And so I think success to me means being of service to the world, mm-hmm. being a kind-hearted, good human. You know, it doesn't necessarily money does not show up in my top 10 list until the very end, Yeah. you know, and I've been fortunate where, you know, I live a very simple life. I don't drive a car. I've never had a car. And so I keep my expenses low and I haven't had to make a whole lot of money, but I do think in our society, we're kind of telling the, the wrong story to young people about like what you need to do to be a successful human. I agree. And mm. I think that
0: I think we as a society need to redefine success. And yeah. I think that we need to, instead of looking at it from the, um, and a forward lens, we need to look at it from a, like a retrospective lens, like a death. That's the whole point of this podcast mm. is success is your view back from your deathbed. Do you have any regrets? I love and that. And if you do have regrets, you know, or if you think, if you, you know, if, you know, like you and me, we're the same exact age, you know, if, if you think you're going to have some regrets, then let's hash that out now. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's, let's take care of that now so that we get to the end and we don't have any regrets. So I love it.
1: I think what you're doing is great and I'm so excited for your podcast to grow. This is awesome.
0: I, um, share, share and share away. I, I, I hope it's, this is more of a, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, work in radiology. I'm a you know, physician's assistant in radiology. So I deal with death, um, a lot. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, unfortunately, fortunately, but unfortunately, I get attached to my, yeah to a lot of my patients and a lot of them die and it's kind of shaken me a little bit. And I'm a musician as well. And I play, I play music, I write music, really sit on, you know, uh, online, play it out in shows and concerts and whatnot. And, wow. um, And that's just what i love i love i love doing that but if the message of this Belizean woman was more prevalent Mm -hmm. i think that we would have a lot more people like doing creative and just inspirational things like yourself and um not choosing a path that's safe
1: you know and i i'm a big believer in creative outlets and uh, you know the schools when you're young you have art class. You spend time like with clay. You get to learn a lot about like expression. But as we go through high school, you know those classes become fewer and fewer. Mm-hmm. And I really think we need to focus more on the arts. You know, not Absolutely. just you know music, but but everything and cultivate that. Absolutely, that to me is what makes a society interesting.
0: Absolutely, because I mean, you go to work all day and you come home. and What are you doing? You're seeking out the arts, whether it's in culinary right. form, in you know, um, video form or music form, that's where you go to live. Yeah. And if we're not encouraging that, um, or encouraging adventure too, you know, um, we're starving as, as a society. So I, um, that's exactly why I wanted you to come on here. because your, (laughs) you, your, your message. Yeah. You do adventures and that's cool, but your message is, is profound and needs to be like the mainstream message of the day. Yeah. So, um, well, let's, let's do get it. it. Let's, you and let's me, let's line. get it out there. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm all I'm down, man. Maybe I'll meet you at Ragbri if I can get the time off. Yeah, there we go. Um, page 61. I've never felt so alive as I do at this moment. Alive is not comfortable. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow. When, for me, doing this podcast scares me to death. I can get up and play and perform in front of, you know, a lot of people and I'm used to it. This scares me to death, but I feel alive. Mm -hmm. How do you think if you didn't do what you're doing now, do you think if you were in something that was comfortable and safe, do you think that you would feel alive? You're horribly, not horribly, you're insatiably optimistic. So I Mm -hmm. I imagine you'd probably find a way to be, but do you and Honestly, if you're look at yourself, do you think you would feel as alive as you do now?
1: Not a chance. You know, it's it's pushing the edge. It's pushing the boundaries where I really feel like I'm learning the most as a human. And that's when I feel alive is when I'm like, okay, like something really hard just happened. And I didn't know if I was going to get through it, but I did. Yeah. And now I feel really good about myself. And I've just, you know, like a, one more notch of confidence. And, uh, you know, I go out into the world and I just feel like refreshed, like I've just taken a bath or something. And like, you know, and it's just like, yes, woo. <laughs> so, you know, you <laughs> awesome. I personally need to challenge myself. And, you know, I always tell people, I go on these pretty difficult physical challenges pretty often. And I get to voluntarily choose these moments yeah you know and i get to and i look at this as practice for life because there's a lot of life that comes at you that you do not choose hard moments with yeah. your health with relationships maybe you lose a job and me going through all these hard times on my adventures gets me ready for this kind of stuff yeah you know and i just i mean, i look at things with a level head i'm i'm a lot more calm and cool in tough situations and I I know that nothing lasts forever. There yeah. is always a way through. It might be really hard. It might suck. There might be consequences, but there's always a way through. And for me, when I when I reach those points in my life and I've overcome something extremely difficult, I I feel so alive.
0: Yeah. And that's totally. an
1: amazing feeling. You know. Yeah. It's cool to go to the store and and buy something new. You know, but that enjoyment lasts about five minutes, you know, but if you're, if you've really gone through the ringer with whatever challenge you're, you're navigating in life and you get through it, man, it's such a great feeling.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I agree. I've, I've had my own challenges and um, even in the darkest hour, when you think that you just can't do it, you always seem to come out on the other side and you're always better. Always, Always, always better. In the moment, you think there's no way you could be better, but you're always better. Yep. Um, I thought if I ignored it, the pain would take care of itself. But that's not how pain works. It's like a beach ball in the water. The deeper you push it down, the higher it shoots back up when you grow tired of holding it under. I. I <laughs> damn, Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, you pulling good. out all the good stuff, man. I, because I, I want people to get this book. I want people to get this book. Read this book. This book is it's excellent. It's it's easy reading. It's fun reading, but it's deeply profound. But that line right there. I mean, we've all held a beach ball under the water. We all
1: know the feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it it summarizes discontent or um, dissatisfaction so well, mm-hmm. so well, you can only hide it for so long yeah. and then it's going to bubble up. And maybe that's the source of midlife crises, crisis crises. Um, um, I don't know. What are your, what were your thoughts in, in, in that line?
1: You know, it's uh, like when you fight something really hard, you know, and we're kind of conditioned to like when something's hard in life, you fight it and you fight it hard and you push it away. And uh, a lot of times it makes things worse, right? Yeah. Um, And it, it comes back and smacks you at the, in the face even harder because you've been pushing so hard on this ball under the water, yeah. you know? um, And sometimes, you know, as as, as I get older, I, I learn how to better navigate the tough times and that... Force is not always the answer yeah. or just toughing through a situation is not always the answer. Yes, I do hard things and I've, I've gotten through some hard moments, but there are some times when you just have to have a little bit more finesse and be gentle. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to be more gentle with myself as I get older and not be so hard on myself when things are bad or things that I perceive that I've caused. And I'm just more gentle with myself and with others. And Hmm. so that goes with being less judgmental of of me and other humans. You know, when I was younger, it's easy to point fingers and say, oh, that person is this and this and this. And it's it's easy to be judgmental. Yeah. You know, but I've become more understanding and just soft the older I've gotten.
0: I like how you put that uh, less judgmental of myself one. Mm -hmm and then others too. You kind of have yeah. to start with yourself. Yeah. I think I have uh, I have a couple more lines in here, but I'm only going to do one more because I want people to... Actually, no. I'm not going to do these other two lines because I think they were pretty... I think they were pretty pivotal um, <laughs> in dealing with the U.S. Customs, or oh, okay. uh, Border Patrol, the mustache, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, there was another guy right after that. Um, you need to get the book. You need to read it. You need to... Have um, this inspiration on your own. This book is, as far as I understand from what I've heard you say, here I'll get a good mm-hmm. fully recycled paper. Yep. Just so tell me about it.
1: I've always had a very environmental mindset. I've never had a car. I ride my bike everywhere. My little apartment is 100% solar powered. I try to tread lightly on this planet. It's, uh, you know, I'm not perfect, I'm a vegetarian. Um, but I, I do my best hmm. and in printing this book, I really wanted to make the most eco-friendly book possible because a lot of books out there are not, they're toxic inks, they're toxic glues. You know, people are you're ch- chopping down trees to make these books. And that's kind of hypocritical if I, I went and did that. So yeah, it's hundred percent recycled paper. No trees were cut down. The ink interestingly enough is algae based ink. It's bio-based ink.
0: It's crazy. Um,
1: yeah, it is crazy. It was, it, it's you know, printed here in Boulder, where I'm from, a family printer. Everybody's making a living wage, and I even invested in <laughs> upcycled newspaper padded mailers to send the book out in. That's right. That's so, right. You know, just even the book that gets delivered to you comes in a mailer that can be put in your curbside recycling, um, because a lot of books are shipped out in that you know that plasticky stuff, and they say, oh, you can recycle plastic. You really can't. No. Plastic is plastic, and it's bad. Yeah. And less than ten percent of it gets recycled. And even if it's getting recycled, how do they do it? They melt it. What happens when you melt plastic? It's toxic. Like it's yeah. just not
0: good. No, there's nothing good about plastic.
1: No, I no. mean there are some. Yeah, I mean this microphone I'm holding has some plastic elements in it, but single-use well, plastic yes, is yes, not yeah. good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's a really good documentary about the the evils of plastic. I think it's on I don't know, Netflix or something like that. It's pretty eye-opening. Yeah. What are some things that scare you? Mm, that's a great question.
1: You know, I was just at a funeral today. and uh, Sorry. Yeah, it was a, a close family friend. And just sitting in that room and looking at everybody and the sadness, I hadn't felt that in a long time. Because you're not faced with death very often. And, you know, I'm not scared so much of me dying. But I, I am scared of, like, my mom and close, near and dear ones. I mean, my mom is is my hero. She raised all of her four kids on her own, mm-hmm. essentially. And, you know, I, when I look around, I'm like, wow, these people are all my mom's age. And I can't imagine life without her. Um, that's a bit of a tangent because it's just, like, on my mind today. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a little scared of, of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm scared of what we're doing to the planet as humans. You know, I'm scared for the future in some ways. Like, how is this all going to end up? You know, because, you know, sometimes I do pay attention to the news and I look at politics and politicians and just the division and the hate. And it's just, it's scary. It, it's yeah. there's no other way to put it. It's spooky. Yeah. It's heavy. You wonder, scary. you wonder like where our country is going and not just our country, but other countries. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, we humans yeah, we're, we think of ourselves as, as pretty modern beings now, and we, we go to school and we read about these horrible atrocities and genocides and Holocaust, and we think, okay, that is never going to happen again. We are good to go, peace and love. We treat everybody the same, and that's not
0: the case. No. no. And it scares me and it spooks me. It's like the leaders. They're like, okay, do I want peace? Do I want that? Oh no, I'll take, I'll take the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the genocide. That sounds good with a side of, you know, just yeah. mass murder. Yeah. No, I, it, I just it's crazy. don't
1: understand why humans aren't cooler to each other.
0: I don't get it either. I, I often wonder, is it the system that we've set up? You know, like yeah. you look at animals and they're here just to play and, mm-hmm. and just experience. And that's what they do every day. They don't worry about, you know, they don't. For, with, you know, with, a, with exception, they don't stock up crazy amounts for the winter. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, they don't do any of the stuff that we as humans do. Yeah. And they don't have any of the problems that we as humans have. Yeah. And so are we subjecting ourselves to a process more than playing? Do we need to play more? Because yeah. my second episode is the, you know, the world is your playground. Yeah. play Play.
1: And I, I love that you chose that topic because I'm a big believer in play. And uh, that's why my channel is so playful. You know, I'm 44 mm-hmm. years old and I, in a lot of ways, have a very young spirit. I still look at the Absolutely. world the way I did when I was a kid and everything's new and exciting and fun. And I get comments from people that are like, oh my God, you're just a man child. Like, you know, people. <laughs> and it's like, no, like I'm not. Like I'm just a, genuinely excited to. Navigate this life in a way where there's a lot of wonder and awe and excitement. And when I meet somebody new that's amazing, like I'm going to be excited about it. Because that's another thing. As we get older, we're kind of told to suppress these emotions, especially as men, to suppress like sadness and tears and vulnerability. And I think we as humans need to play more. And so that's why either the no crashes, no whammies, and I'm singing ole 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 ole, and I'm just mm-hmm. like showing people like it's okay to have fun and be goofy. Why don't not? Have to be so serious.
0: Why not? Why not? Why you can not? Be, you can be quiet in death, but be loud and have crazy stories in life. There you I go. Agree. I love that. I, I I absolutely agree. And I found myself at times getting awfully stuffy, and um, uh, it's nice to be slapped back to to silliness. You know, uh, it's refreshing. It's refreshing because why not? Why not? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we've kind of touched on your mission in life. Um, What's your mission going forward like with your, or where do you see your, where do you see yourself, you know, going forward in the Mm. next 10 years or, you know, can't go on these crazy trips. What's the next chapter for Ryan Van Duzer, the legend? You know, I
1: don't. Think too much into the future. I focus a lot on the present moment. And I think That's that good. really helps keep me grounded. That's you know, good. of course, I have some big ideas, but you know, I would love to continue what I'm doing and, and sharing stories, mm-hmm. and hopefully inspiring people, and going to schools and businesses and speaking and just sharing, you know, a bit of what I have experienced on this beautiful planet in hopes of inspiring people. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's really the bottom line. And on a personal level, you know, I I live in Boulder, Colorado, it's a beautiful place. You know, I have wonderful friends and and family and, and I hope to continue being an awesome uncle to my brothers and sisters, kids. And, you know, we talked about play. I hope play will always be a big part of my life even when I'm 55, 65, whatever it is, 75, 85. You know, I always want to be a bit of a goofball. I mean, that's really important to me (laughs) as
0: as weird as it sounds like I think it's important. You know, it it was the first, it was the thing that when I first stumbled upon your channel, I was just like, what, what is this? And, but it's infectious. It's you give permission in your goofiness. You give permission for the rest of us to be like, yeah, it's okay, man. And it's refreshing. Mm -hmm. It's nice. It's nice. (laughs) Um, I've, I've, I've appreciated it. If you well, can't good. tell. That makes me happy. Yes. yes. Keep know. doing it. Keep doing it. I, I will, is... You can
1: guarantee it's not like I'm putting on a show. Like it's just me, you know, it's not like, Oh, I've, you know, I've got to make this video and I got to remember to put in some goofy moments. It's like, no, I am. That is just who I am. And it's going to come through when it comes through.
0: No, that's good. That's good. There's too much. There's too much. Um, fake. Yeah you know, fakeness on, you know, in the, in the world these days, especially in social media world, you know? Yeah. Um, What advice does modern day Ryan have for young Ryan? Mm. 10 year old Ryan, 15 year old Ryan.
1: You know, I've kind of touched on it, but not to take things too seriously. When I was young, I was like, I was kind of serious. You know, I was, I was serious about like running and like winning races and I was serious about, you know, getting good grades and this, it meant so much to me. And I don't know why I, I was so serious and determined and motivated at a young age, but I was. And so I would tell little Ryan to chill out, man, <laughs> like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like is going to be okay. Yeah, it really yeah. will be. And just do your best. You don't have to be the best, but do your best. And, and and stop and enjoy the moments, you know, because yeah. there are some times when I was younger that I was doing some pretty incredible things. But I was I was way too um, competitive in in whatever sport I was doing to really enjoy the community I was with or my teammates or, or whatever it was. So I would tell young Ryan to chill,
0: <laughs> chill out. Yeah. <clears throat> would young Ryan be proud of modern day Ryan?
1: Yeah. And I've said that a few times, you know, like young Ryan would be pretty psyched if like 16, 17 year old Ryan could look at 44 year old Ryan and be like, dude, you're a YouTuber and you get to do what you want and travel the world and meet all these awesome people. Like that's awesome because I couldn't have even conceived it at 17 on the online world. The internet has created a whole new world
0: of what is possible. Yeah, absolutely. And it's made it accessible to just everyday people that are willing to put in the time and the effort and yeah. the energy. Yeah, You absolutely. know, and I
1: also, I'd be proud of the fact that I've always been service-minded. I've always wanted to make the world a better place in some way, shape, or form. You know, I go back to, you know, we grew up here in Boulder, single mom, four kids. We didn't have a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, but we did benefit from people being extremely generous with our family. Hmm. And I remember as a young guy being like, when I get older, I am going to hook people up. Like if I ever like make money, if I'm ever successful, I am going to do my best to give back. Yeah. And I've really been able to do that throughout my entire life, starting with being a Peace Corps volunteer at age 23, and now with my YouTube channel, I'm able to host fundraisers and raise money to get kids on bikes. And, you know, a big part of what I do, I love giving away bicycles to people. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I am just such a, a big believer in bikes can change lives.
0: It, and it did for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about your bike. Mm-hmm. You um custom, you helped design it. Tell it tell us tell us about it. So in twenty
1: twenty, during the pandemic, everything's kind of shut down. All my travels were kind of put on hold. And I had at the time a bit of a partnership with a bicycle company in New York City called Priority Bikes. And I had one of their commuter bikes. And at the time, all they made were like city commuter bikes that were low maintenance and bomb proof. And they were cool. And I, I love my commuter bike because, again, I don't have a car. But I really love adventure. I love mountain bikes. And I mm-hmm. wanted them to have a mountain bike. And I'm like, hey, how about we design a mountain bike? And it was the pandemic. They're like, sweet. Let's just let's do it. Let's go for it. So I was like, okay, let's design this mountain bike. And then I'll go ride it down the Great Divide route, which is a 2,500-mile route along the Continental Divide from Montana to New Mexico. And so went back and forth with some of the designers at Priority Bikes and recreated my dream bike, nice. and it's called the 600X, yeah. and I love it. I ride it everywhere. We sell it now, and when I'm able to, I like to give away those bikes at the end of my adventures.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's awesome. It, it looks like a really cool bike. It Yeah. It definitely... There's another, there's another company out there that makes that, uh, the, the, the um, the belt drive the belt drives and that's kind of used for like world travel. And it's like five or $6,000, something mm-hmm. really, really expensive. And yeah. this bike is not cheap, but it's a whole lot more affordable than, yep. um, a lot of travel bikes out there. And, sure. um, I can't, I, I can't wait to ride one. It looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a nice bike.
1: Yeah. So it was important to me to make it as affordable as possible, but still, having quality components absolutely so the whole idea with priority bicycles as a brand is to make bikes that are low maintenance bikes that just work they want people to buy their bikes and be able to ride them and ride them into the ground and use them as everyday transportation almost as a car replacement so what's unique about my bike the 600x is it has a carbon belt drive so think of something that's like in a motor or like on a harley davidson Mm -hmm. it's not a chain Um, and those things are low maintenance. They never need to be lubed. And then all the gearing is inside of a box. So it's like based on car transmission gearing. So mud and snow and stuff doesn't get caught up in a derailleur on a normal bike. Yeah. And so it's just, just solid. And when you're out on an adventure in the middle of nowhere, thousands of miles in, you don't want stuff to break. And so this bike is pretty darn solid.
0: Solid. It's definitely, um, Where's a big adventure you want to go? Like, name your dream adventure. Like, just bucket list adventure. My
1: dream adventure, and I can't believe I haven't done it. I've been talking about it for like 10 years. Well, do I it, go dang to, it. <laughs> I know. I want to go to Bhutan. And oh, really? for those really? of you who don't know much about Bhutan, yeah. it's a Himalayan kingdom sandwiched mm-hmm. in between like Nepal and India and China. It's supposed to be beautiful. And what I really mm-hmm. like about this country is they measure their nation's uh wealth in happiness happiness gross national happiness Happiness. and they're really focused on people living good quality lives and having enough to eat and and healthy and being happy and being kind to mother nature and they also have beautiful himalayas so there's a route out there called the snowman route and i really want to trek this walk it not on a bike it's uh, it goes over nine fifteen thousand foot passes, That's awesome. and I think it would probably take three weeks to a month. And I just want to go walk around the Himalayas in Bhutan. That's my dream dream destination.
0: I think I think that would be a blast. It's funny that you mentioned that because Bhutan is actually one of the inspirations behind this podcast. Oh, right on. They're, they their culture they focus on they they encourage you to think about death three times a day. Oh, really? And in thinking about death, I read this in a book called. Um, Cool. Um, comfort crisis, mm. really good book. I recommend any, everyone read it. Um, but yeah, they think about death three times a day that they would f- be more fully alive. Yeah. And, um, there are really interesting people like their GDP is very, very low, but everybody owns a house. Everybody has free healthcare. Everybody is fully taken care of and, um, they're super happy. So I, I would go there in a heartbeat. Well, maybe
1: we will have to go together, buddy.
0: <laughs> Let me know. I'll be there for you sure. You know, it's
1: funny. We were talking about like what, society and what I'm scared of. And it's like, why are humans so mean to each other? Like, I think we need to take an example from Bhutan.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, society.
1: That's the model society right there. In
0: Bhutan, I trust.
1: <laughs> yes. Absolutely,
0: Absolutely. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I absolutely appreciate you. um hanging out with me for a little while and I hope we do it again. I hope we do it yes. a lot. I, I've I really, loved it.
1: I feel a great connection with you. This is, this is fun for me. I love it. Likewise. You know, yep. I do a, a lot of podcasts and you know, sometimes it's, they just go through formulaic questions, but this, yeah. I feel good with you. So this, I, I wish you the well, best on this.
0: I, I appreciate that. And I, um I consider you friend. Yeah, just from your videos, I've considered you very, you know, I don't know, but yeah. I now that you. we've met in in the in the digital flesh, I consider you a friend, and I hope we definitely do this again multiple absolutely. times. Absolutely, absolutely. I have two more questions for you. Okay. And in honor of your obsession <laughs> with bean burritos. Oh, right on. I'm going to eat a bean burrito while I ask you these questions. You just happen to have a bean burrito
1: in your pocket? You are showing me up. I should have a bean burrito in my pocket. I know. Would you
0: like, would you like a bite?
1: <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. All right. There you maybe, go. Maybe someday we can actually pass burritos through computer screens. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Anyway. I love really, that you just did that, by the way. You, there's some you guacamole. are definitely my kind of guy. You just pulled a burrito out of thin air.
0: <laughs> I <I'm laughs> with guacamole, too yeah i see the uh, green in there you know what's funny is this has been sitting here for probably an hour (laughs) and it's still pretty damn good (laughs) yeah burrito so
1: so on all my adventures i eat a lot of bean burritos and i have always on my bike a a pack of tortillas and sometimes old beans and at the end of the day i'll slap the beans on a tortilla and people are always like oh that looks so gross it's cold i'm like no it's awesome
0: it And in honor of you, I didn't even heat it up. I scooped it out of the can, slapped it on a cold tortilla, (laughs) put some guacamole that my wife made that's delicious, and um, it's been sitting on a plate in a chair in my office for since, well, 5.30. (laughs) (laughs) You're my new favorite human. This is great. (laughs) Anyway, so in honor of the bean burrito, what would your last meal be? Oh. Last meal on earth.
1: It would have to be something along those lines. You know, I love Mexican food. I lived in Honduras for two years. I ate beans and rice like every single day. I do love avocados and guacamole. So my last meal would be some sort of a big burrito, lots of avocados. I love fried plantains. Oh, God, yeah. So good. You know, uh, get some tomatoes in there. Maybe smother it with some sort of like veggie green salsa from new mexico some hatch green chilies
0: Mm -hmm. are we making you all hungry out there or what (laughs) from from a vegetarian and a vegan so yeah yeah no i'm i'm mexican food is my guilty pleasure yeah i could eat it three meals a day i could eat it i could i could i I would never get sick of it and then indian food is a close second
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah i love indian food too non-
0: So good. So I might have to go get some Indian food after I finish this burrito. (laughs) While you're eating this delicious Mexican food, yes, there's going to be three people at your meal, alive or dead. Who are these people?
1: Let's see. This this is this is a fun question. You know, I would I would love to hang out with the Dalai Lama. Mm. He's just I just love his spirit, and when he talks, he's so funny. Has a good sense of humor. And, I, I, you know, he's obviously a a lot of wisdom, and I've read his book. So the Dalai Lama would be there for sure. Uh, Maybe, you know, and this is quite the opposite from the Dalai Lama, but it'd be cool to have Taylor Swift
0: there. (laughs) That works. That works. You know,
1: know, I didn't grow up listening to her music. I still don't really listen to her music all that often, but if one one of her songs comes on, I'll dance around to it. But I watched the documentary about her on Netflix, and she's an impressive young woman. She writes all of her own music. Yeah. And she speaks from the heart. And I really admire that she stands up for things that she believes in. Yeah, that's good. You know? And so Taylor Swift is is would be cool to have there. And I guess, you know, I wouldn't want to do this without my mom. So mom would have to be there.
0: That works. That works. Yeah, if it's
1: my last meal, I want to share it with mom, Dalai Lama, Taylor
0: Swift. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you threw me off at Taylor Swift, but... I will watch that I will watch that documentary. I'm, I am I agree with you. She is extremely I don't listen to her music, but I have utmost respect for her because yeah. if you can be sell as many albums as you've sold and have as many number one hits on as many number one records in a row, yeah, there's something special about you.
1: Yeah. She's next level human, you know, and uh, it's it's inspiring. I love being mm-hmm. inspired by other creative humans who are doing incredible things.
0: Me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Maybe that's why we, we met in the digital yeah. f- flesh. Absolutely. Ryan. We're in
1: Florida you live. I'm coming.
0: Oh, on, come plane. on down, man. Come on down. I'm in central Florida. I, I actually live in Lakeland right between Orlando and uh, Tampa. Okay. I will, I will pick you up. All right. You always have a place to stay in my pad.
1: I'll just camp in your backyard and pee in your bushes.
0: You can pee in my bushes, (laughs) but you're staying in my house. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) deal. That's just, you can swim in my pool. You can even hang out with my kid. All Um, right, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're you're always welcome in my house. Thank you, I uh, appreciate that. If I come through Colorado, I'm going to hit you up for a bean burrito.
1: Totally, man, we'll do it.
0: excellent. Excellent. Ryan Van Dooser The Long Way Home you have to get it you just you just have to he um it's a beautiful story it's a beautiful book from the writing to the 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 pictures to the packaging to the um the way it was produced there was sacrifice throughout the entire thing i know yeah. that you probably could have made a lot more money had mm-hmm. you not gone the route you did with the with the production of this book and I um, applaud you for that thank you I absolutely yeah. applaud you for that the message is more important than the um, the monetary reward yeah so thank absolutely. you dot is where it all happens yep YouTube Ryan van duzer patreon.com <laughs> slash Ryan van duzer support him and then when you head out in the ro- in the mornings, no whammies, no crashies, no flatties, yep. and give yourself an ole, 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 and <laughs> live life, dang it. Yeah, live, live it. Live and it. And ole a day keeps the doctor away. That's right. That's right. You just said <laughs> that on your uh, your life, live stream the other day. Yes. <laughs> but, um, Ryan, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for spending some time with me, taking a chance yeah. on a new podcast. Thank you for what you do. Thank you mm-hmm. for putting yourself out there. I wish you the absolute best, the a- utmost success thank you, and prosperity, both financially, spiritually, and um, just emotionally. I wish the best on you. And I think you have a bright future ahead, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds.
1: Thank you. This has been a very meaningful hour sitting and talking with you. This has been the best part of my somewhat hard day, and I appreciate chatting with you and I appreciate the the heartfelt questions and your wonderful smile. So thank you and best of luck with this podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, if you're digging to live terminally, please like, and subscribe and tell someone spread the word. Let's all get on it. Let's get after it and start living. All right. Okay. Bye-bye.